I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God. Real niggas getting money from the fucking stars. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Wayward Weekly, Episode 5. I am Bobby Burns. And I'm Paul Sexton. All right. And uh, on this week of Wayward Weekly, um, I didn't tell Paul what I wanted to go over, and we didn't really have any topics planned. So um, last night, I was reading a book called Homo Deus, uh, which from Latin translates into man-god, I believe. Um, And this was written by Noah Yuval Harari. Um, He wrote a book a few years back called Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And in that book, um, he goes over um, what history looks like from the the beginning of humans, Homo sapiens, until yesterday, pretty much. And um, Homo Deus is uh, subtitled uh, A Brief History of Tomorrow. So in the book, he... outlines kind of like what the big three um, challenges that humankind had faced for for pretty much ever. He says it's uh, war, plague, and famine. Uh, And uh, interestingly enough, we're in the midst of a a flu. He says that we've pretty much um, surpassed all these big human challenges, that um, they aren't really going to devastate us like they once used to, and so we need to focus on something new. At any rate, look, I'm towards the end of the book now, um, and in this last chapter, he starts off by talking about um, what types of things are going to come out on top in the future. And he talks about um, capitalism's inability to process data well, um, that governments are, are these um, centralized data processors and the bigger and greater that they they get, um, they really slow down an economy's ability to react. <clears throat> and so um, at any rate, he talks about different types of um, ways uh, data processors can, um, I guess, different things that data processors can benefit from. Um, And some of it's like by allowing um, multiple connections to happen amongst data processors or um, for information to move freely. He says that's different than connections. Connections are how interconnected are data processors? So so imagine like you have a computer system and it's got 10 processors in there. Um, Is each one connected to one another? And then if they are, how quickly can information travel between um, uh, some of these different processors? Um, But another one of the four things that he says is, um, how different are these processors from one another? How differently can they process information? And in terms of uh, him applying this idea to society, uh, he talks about maybe how different towns or different governments within, say, the United States or the European Union how different could these um, different countries or different states and, and governments be within one another? That would be beneficial because now they are looking or processing data from a different point of view. <clears throat> In other words, they get the same information um, but they just look at the data differently. What he says is that this uh, difference in data processing is beneficial to the overall group because um, 
two different data processors can then put their information together and extrapolate new information, new perspectives, and new ideas that would not have existed. In other words, if you had all the same types of processors and everything viewed the information um, coming from the same perspective or the same point of view, you wouldn't really get any new ideas. You wouldn't really get new results. And so I, I put the book down uh, last night and I sat and thought for a while um, and, and kind of made some notes for the podcast. Um, but one of my thoughts were, you know, as individuals, we're all sort of data processors. Um, and, you know, you have a different idea than I do. And, and that's why we're doing this podcast is because when you and I sit down and talk, we come up with new ideas that we didn't have before. Um, but really where I want to lead this pro, uh, um, podcast um, and what I want to push over onto you is, can we have too much diversity in ideas to where it begins to cripple us? In other words, can you and I become so different that nothing beneficial comes out of our um, collaboration of ideas? Um, I don't think so, because uh, I think uh, diversity of ideas, I mean, the idea itself, it still needs a following. Um, for it to gain any traction or for it to have any change or causative effect, um, unless it's, you know, something uh, drastic or radical. Um, but in terms of it having any force, in terms of it being able to build it, like an intellectual movement and a following, uh, the idea, um, I guess, has to be capable of being spread through a group. And I think the way that you're talking about diversity um, kind of pertains to groups now that people are getting kind of irritated and frustrated with, especially through the coronavirus uh, pandemic, is uh, groups like the anti-vax groups mm -hmm. and the information that they spread um, where a lot of it is false or misleading um, and it's usually kind of uh, stated in the form of a question, typically, but uh, but they're really stating it as an answer for the most yes, part. And I right. think that's kind of the, the diversity that you're talking about, where you just have so much uh, information out there that uh, it can lead to a lot of misinformation. And when the group gets as large as like the anti-vax movement uh, has gotten, it can have uh, or cause some uh, serious problems. But... I think it just has a way of naturally working itself out. I mean, even if you were to look at something, and I'm not an, an expert in this area, but I, I know a little bit about it, but like the Protestant Reformation, uh, originally it was uh, only the, the priests and, and clergymen that were able to interpret the Bible because it was in Latin, and then it was transcribed into German so that the people could mm -hmm. interpret the Bible for themselves. And that did lead to a lot of problems because there was you know, a lot of, uh, false prophets and charlatans and, you know, that, you know, that still to exist to this day, you know, sure. it's just a matter of them becoming revealed over time, but it did allow individuals to kind of think for themselves and it created factions with, within the church, some of which still exist today. Um, and I think the diversity of ideas is, is, uh, a good thing because I think it tends to even out over time and just because there's a bad idea and there's millions millions of people that have that idea uh, there's still an overwhelming majority that um, but what you if, know I, what if like okay so that's looking at like the overall grand scheme of things from like this very yeah. distant perspective but like yeah what what about 
for me here in the moment in the now, like idealistically, yeah, it's always good. But like, <clears throat> what if, what if Nazi Germany had won the war and, and that comes out on top? And, uh, I, you know, I don't even know if I'm, I'm, um, concerned so much about that. It's if I bring it back to like the computer methodology, like there is a point and we have so much diversity going on in America that our, our, us as processors, maybe the, just to throw a quick example out there, the Democrats and the Republicans are processing information so differently that it seems like they're unable to even communicate with each other anymore. And so there, there is this idea that, you know, diversity is good, but like that could be to our detriment in the long term if, if we're looking at what's best for you and me and all the people who live within our country. Now, one could easy, easily argue like, well, we shouldn't worry about nationalism and like the success of the United States. Um, but I think most of us who live here, let's say 90 or 95 percent of us who live here do at least to some degree think, well, yeah, hopefully we remain on top because that's going to be us and our kids and our nieces and nephews and and we want what's best for them. We don't want this to become, you know, the crappiest country in the world and for them to grow up in that. Um, and so, so I start to like sort of get stuck into this a little bit and um, into this idea that like maybe there's a little bit too much diversity um, where we're just, we're butting heads so much that we can't even communicate anymore and that it's bad for the system. Well, I don't think it's, I don't think that's necessarily, uh, diversity. I think that's just, uh, a left and right sort of tribalism. I think, you know, diversity of ideas runs the, the inspect, the entire spectrum. I think it crosses the boundary between Republican and Democrat. And I don't think diversity of idea is um is a bad thing because i think it leads to perspective but what you're talking about though i mean is i do just i do you're talking too. about bad information you're just talking about bad information that is controlling people and and the way you were talking about like you know uh talk news or cable news hosts and everything is being the interpreters of information they're two different universes you're now talking about a different system because those individuals interpreting the same facts as everyone else, but having a different, like completely different spin on it and talking to a very specific audience, they're not uh, interacting with the other data interpreters, meaning they're not talking to uh, the Republican uh, cable news host, isn't talking to the uh, left-leaning news host. But, but so, we are all in a system together. Like I know you're saying like that's that's its own like new system. It's kind of outside of it. But the the fact is is like we're all in this together. Now you and I interact with But that's not a problem with diversity of thought though. Th that, that's that's just that that's only because it's not diversity of ideas. The the reason why like 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 with me, I really hold out like a little bit of an area for uh, like maybe there is a a certain issue with with certain children that have vaccines and it causes a type of brain swelling that we're just not aware of because they're at such a young age that it causes specific problems or, or whatever. But in a general sense, though, I think vaccines are a good thing and there's a reason that we have them. So 
I don't, I'm not just an absolutist in any, any general sense because I honestly don't know enough about it. Like I'm sure. not an expert. I want to jump into the, the pro vaccine uh, category yep. completely without, you know, having any gray area. But at the same exact time, well, it's, in a lot of it is because it's, you know, based upon science. Whereas you look at the other side and it doesn't seem like it's really based upon science, but it's a diversity of idea, but a diversity of ideas, but I'm looking at their ideas and it's easy to disprove a lot of their, I mean, they're just allegations because they're not really based in, you but know, I would, like, facts I or science you necessarily. I, you and I here now are just disagreeing on what we would consider an idea. So you're just saying, well, like, that's not an idea, but I'm saying it is. It's still information that's getting into the system, the information that somebody, like, they look at the same articles that you and I look at, and we look at the same articles that they look Do at. Do they, though? And Do they? I, I mean, that that's the thing. Are they, though? Because then you're, we're not talking about diversity of ideas. We have a problem where people are just taking in uh, media that is talking about well, yeah. a particular idea. I, I mean, am I just like in the world of semantics right now? Like, am I just nitpicking it? To no, death no, 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 no. Well, you brought up a good point is you brought up a rhetoric. I said, you know, we look at the same information and you you said, do they though? And uh, you, I mean, clearly your implication was they don't. And I mean, I think that's something with, um, science in general is that that people in general don't read or look at science, whether it be um, you or me or the person on Facebook or, or social media um, pushing an idea or an agenda or whatever it is that they have. I don't think very many people fully, truly read research articles from beginning to end. I mean, this is something that, that comes up at work, right? Um, <clears throat> When, when I bring up research articles and, and talk about it, I talk about scientific skepticism, and I think I've talked about this on the, the podcast already, but um, like we need to be good scientists and reserve judgment and not come to conclusions, which is what you were just talking about. But it's like you always get that friend that's like, oh, well, I read this one research article that says blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, you did? Really? You read the research? That's what you do at night? You go home and you read research articles and you go through them and you question the statistical methods methods that they use to analyze the data and you go, hmm, I don't think they controlled for this variable enough. They should have used a double blind, uh, you know, this or that to control for this because you have um, extraneous variables affecting your dependent variable. Like, dude, people don't do that. My friend, like some people do. And even if you do, you're not going through all of the research. So I, I definitely get what you're saying <laughs> that rhetoric no they don't we we all hear um about the same ideas and we at face value judge them differently um and so i i i'd like to say that um you know that we really rest in the realm of like science and what science tells me, but it's hard when other people are out there claiming to also be doing science and publish it in their own journals of, you know, um, holistic and mental thinking health or whatever you want to call it to, to heal this or heal that. Um, and, and they say, you know, that uh, our conclusions are equal to or greater than an article that says the exact opposite um, of this. 
that really used actual rigorous rigorous methods that can be easily and clearly measured. Um, I sort of went off on a tangent there, which is typically expected uh, when I'm going to talk about science or something like that, because we don't have scientific skepticism. But but at at some level, you and I are looking at the same titles of articles as somebody else and deciding whether you and I are basing it off science or, or they're basing it off something else. Like there's an emotional reaction, I think, that goes to it. And I would still say that now we have these these differing ideas that are incompatible with each other. Um, I, and you're saying it's a different system, and that might be the level of incompatibility. That I think that that's somewhat troublesome for, for the overarching system. Because, okay, so maybe maybe we are two separate systems, but like we're all, all in the United States. And so if we can't agree on this and we're starting to agree on less and less and less as, um, you know, citizens and there are becoming two or three parties that are, are um, against each other completely, uh, where do we go from there? I mean, to the point of, I think I just said it earlier, where people are talking about um, – all but eradicating the other party to a certain extent and the extremists. You know, they deserve to be punched or killed or hung or this or that. Like, it's pretty crazy. And yeah, I take it with a grain of salt. I don't know how many people would actually do that. But still, I mean, right now they wouldn't. What about in 10 years when pressures are higher? And so these are the types of things where I just find myself questioning this thing that it's like, I don't want to say a difference in ideas are bad because I'm an American and it's all about diversity and this and that. But I've, I'm getting to a point where it's like, I well, mean, it, it's always been that way, though. It, it's, it's always been that way where there's bad ideas that come up and then everyone freaks out about the bad idea. And it's easy to freak out about some bad ideas. I mean, I, like I look at the the anti-vaccination movement now and now I just see it's like a bunch of conspiratorialists. I mean, the their assertion and their allegation that Bill Gates is, uh, you know, he's doing this because the vaccinations are actually killing ch- children and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that originated from a source in 2006 that basically took, I think it was three of his uh, separate speeches. One of them was like a TED Talk. And they misconstrued it and applied their personal narrative and their personal thoughts as to Bill Gates's motivation, which no one reading or listening to his speech could have, you know, pulled that sort of uh, context from it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that's the kind of stuff that we get upset about because those ideas tend to be extreme. And and they're more extreme the more contrast there is. So, like, we're in favor of vaccinations. We think, in a general sense, they're good. Like, I'm nuanced in that, you know, maybe there are some problems that uh, need to be addressed and studied further, but that should be the motivation of the group that's anti-vax. Mm-hmm. Um, and they it does lead to the spreading of misinformation, and there are, you know, there have been incidents of individuals doing things that have led to their own death for trying things that they read online, uh, supposedly yeah. were the, the true way of helping in everything, and it turned out contrary. And that's sad that that stuff happens, but it is so rare, but that's what we focus on. And the alternative is like, oh, there's too many ideas. We need to figure out a way to silence people. And I think that's where you, that's where you, you enter into the realm of uh, revolt 
and uh, or you know militia groups, isolated individuals or groups of individuals that are uh, isolated from society because they don't have a place in society when yeah. it really is just a different idea. I mean, we had this with communism um, and socialism back in the day. And I think it, it's just easier just to look at it as a, a lot of times when it comes to something like anti-vax that it's almost like a substitute for religion. It gets to the point where they're only absorbing one type of information. Anyone that is outside of their bubble uh, to them is crazy. And then, but then we turn into that too, because then we look at them and like, oh, well, they're crazy. And we say we have science on our side and all that, but I'm not reading a bunch of studies about that. It's just no, commonsensically. Yeah, it, but it's just commonsensically from the information that is out true. there. I have read a few articles. So I, I do have to back yeah. myself up here just a little bit. Um, part of my job is to do research, present, and teach. And so I do, I do read research. Um, but I want to say research is extremely challenging to digest. It's extremely boring. And so when someone yeah. tells me that they, they read a research article, I because I have to do this for my job and I assume I do it more than other people, I think that they're probably worse at it than I am. And I'm already pretty bad. I go through the stats and, and the findings and all the numbers and I just go, yeah. I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. And I spent years in graduate school and in undergraduate school, but more so in graduate school, doing this, like reading through. And so yeah. like I should be pretty good at it and I still get there and go, what the hell are they talking about? Um, and so when someone's like, oh, I read this article, I go, no, you didn't. Um, you might have glazed over some things. And so um, one thing I have to say that, <laughs> that I, um, be, because uh, I do um, – do a little bit of, uh, you know, reading research and yada, yada, yada. I have gone through some of the um, research articles about vaccines and autism or ASD. Um, specifically, the one that I'm very familiar with was the one from Andrew Wakefield that was redacted uh, that came out over 20 years ago now, 22 years ago. Um, and so I'm pretty familiar with that one. Uh, and it's a really thick, dense read. Um, when I say thick, I mean just the wording wise. Um, he was like a gastroenterologist um, working at a uh, hospital when he went through and did that. And he only had 12 kids uh, in his study and only nine of them or something like that had ASD. Um, and the biggest flaw that I, I could see with that uh, research article um, was that, uh, a lot of the, um, not a lot of all of the ways that they made the association between vaccines, uh, and ASD was that, um, these individuals, uh, parents, the children with autism, their parents were interviewed, um, and, and said, okay, when did the symptoms of, uh, of autism first manifest themselves or onset when did you see it first now <clears throat> these were led by some of the doctors and the researchers and again there was only 12 kids and nine of them had autism um, a few others had something else um, and they only found a, a link with eight of those kids um, but on average uh, it was about these interviews took place about three and a half years after the onset of autism. In other words, they asked parents to think back three and a half years and say, so, so when did your kid first show signs? Was it yeah. 
and and somehow they got all of them to say when they were given the MMR vaccine. Um, and yeah, they so, do that with nutrition studies too. They have that problem. Yes. Where, yeah, it's so, like memory recall, and it's like it's highly speculative. Yeah, in terms and, of the value mm-hmm. of the factual information oh, they're getting. Memory recall is awful. Could you imagine now having a child uh, and a young child and raising that child? How much are you going to remember of that? Now you're not getting any sleep. Now that child also has special needs and behavior excesses and skill deficits. How stressful is your life and how accurate is your memory going to be from one day that took, you know, an event that took place over the course of 10 minutes or 15 minutes, okay, three and a half years ago. I mean, one of them was even like, if you look at the numbers, like the variability was pretty great with that too. So like the average um, was three and a half years, but some of them was like seven years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Seven years ago, which is crazy. Now, I want to say that's one article I'm familiar with. Being a good scientist and skeptic though for me means... That I don't say, therefore, vaccines do not cause autism, because that's not what the redaction of that article says. It just says that there is no evidence to point it in that direction. I will say that I'm not familiar with all of the research out there, and I will also say that it would be statistically very challenging to find a correlation or a link um, between autism and um, vaccines if the numbers were low um, enough, but there was still a causality uh, behind it. In other words, the way statistics works in order for something to find statistical significance, you have to have a large enough uh, amount of people clearly showing um, a change uh, in behavior. And if, let's say, uh, only one in every hundred kids uh, that have autism got the autism because of the vaccine right after, that would be very, very challenging to recognize statistically. Um, And so I have to be a healthy skeptic and say, it is possible that in some cases of autism that it was caused by vaccines. I don't know how vaccines work. I'm I'm not a uh, a biologist. I'm not a chemist. And I'm not a organic chemical biologist or something who would study the way that vaccines interact with human cells. And um, uh, so it's hard for me to hop in really and discuss this with a a ton of confidence. Um, But all I can say is we haven't found that yet, but it is possible that it happens. And if it does, the numbers are relatively low to lead me to think that in general, um, that vaccines are somewhat safe, right? I always use this analogy that um, when we're talking about causality, if I were to take a bowling ball and throw it at the computer that I'm talking to you on, okay? I take a 10-pound bowling ball, and I stand back against the wall, and I take it, and I throw it hard, not soft, I throw it hard as I can. How many times out of 100 would a computer break if I did that? Almost every time? Probably every time. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is not what we're seeing when you give a child a vaccine. Okay. Causality is I throw the bowling, the bowling ball at the computer, and and yeah. and every time it breaks, and I go, I walk in the room, and I go, or someone walks in the room, and they go, how did that break? What caused that? And you go, a bowling ball being thrown at it, and you go, oh yeah, okay. But let's say 
I took this pen and I threw it at the computer. How many times out of a hundred would it break? The computer. And the, yeah, don't know. Probably very few times. Yeah, if maybe any. maybe one or two out of a hundred. Okay, and if you walked in and you saw the computer broken, and you know. Uh, you're like, how did the computer break? And I go, well, I threw the pen at it. You'd be like, the, the pen, how did that break the computer? Because we've thrown it 99 times before and it didn't break the computer. So do throwing pens at computers cause the computer to break? And the answer is not really, but sometimes. And if we were to test that and try to find statistical significance that pens do occasionally break computers, you probably wouldn't find it, even though it sometimes does. And so this is the challenge with statistics, is that sometimes these things can happen. And I don't want to be completely dismissive of it. I want to stand back and say, I don't know. I've had parents who I've worked with tell me, I swear to you, he got the shot. He started crying for eight hours. He didn't stop, and and when he finally did the next day or whatever, he never spoke again, and all these symptoms came on. Yeah. And I, how can I argue with that, Paul? Like, I wasn't there, and, and yeah, exactly. So and you don't know them as a human being as well. I mean, you may even know them well, but you don't know how someone is reacting in the moment, like sure. their belief systems and all that. It's like, you know, having someone that you really. Uh, care for, believe, and, you know, you truly think of them as a truly honest person. And then they tell you like, oh, I think I saw a ghost. Like I saw a ghost. Yeah. And you're just like, you know, you're just like, no way, but you know them well enough to know that they're telling you at least sure. their truth. Yeah. You know, and it, but it could be a bunch of different reasons. And that's, that's the thing. It's that I don't want to necessarily downplay individuals that, um, have differing opinions or different uh, experiences, even though they're just anecdotal experiences. My problem with the whole entire movement uh, in general is that it's become so conspiratorial. And, it, and it's like there's just more and more like innuendo when it comes to Bill yeah. Gates and nanotechnologies and 5G and all of this. My thing is, is that if there is a there there and there's millions of people that are involved in this movement, there should be someone within this movement that can get uh, enough uh, individuals together to pitch in for a study to be done to kind of show once and for all, like, is there there there? And the problem is, though, is that if the study doesn't go in their favor, do they find problems with it? Does yeah. it become like a religion that just won't go away until, you know, every 10 years, five more people drop off and another five years, more people drop off? You know, yeah. Um, or or there could be a complete catastrophe where uh, there could be something that's highly contagious that has uh, symptoms like an Ebola uh, type of symptom, and then at that point, then we learn uh, a horrible lesson because we we truly remember the value of a vaccine. Yeah, I so. I I think that that's one of my biggest problems um, with. I, I won't say the whole anti-vaxxing movement because I know a, a few of them uh, who are maybe therefore like responsible vaccinating, maybe teasing yeah. them apart or doing it once they're a little older or more effective. And again, I don't know, like, so I, I worked with somebody who um, said like, look, they you don't have to vaccinate a kid that young. They're not at risk of these. Why don't you just give it to them when they're one instead of six months or when they're two or three or five or whatever? I had nothing yeah. to say to that because I don't know the history of any of these diseases. I am just 
deferring to the medical experts, and I can't completely deny that um, giant pharmaceutical companies who are making millions of dollars off different things um, don't push things, and that just becomes the way people do things for whatever reason. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I can't deny that. I mean, I've seen that type of stuff happen. Um, well, in, in in the vaccinations, so, so the theory would have to be like if you're truly trying to play this out as like someone being evil. Uh, like one of these pharmaceutical companies, you because there's no money in vaccinations working. I mean, like I can go to a local supermarket and they'll give me a vaccination for free, a flu, a free <laughs> yeah. flu shot. Yeah. Like it doesn't. So it's not like something that they're obviously making tons of money from, right? I mean, compared to some of the other drugs that, where they can charge just outrageous prices for them, and we've heard about them in the news. So there's no incentive from that. So then the other theory is it's like, okay, well, well, maybe the people that are in the anti-vax group are right. And these vaccinations are causing a bunch of symptoms. And then pharmaceuticals come in to fix and treat all these various symptoms. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't give the vaccinations in the first place, then they'd be susceptible to getting the measles Right. The mumps, the flu, all of it but, and the so worst versions of-, of it. And then there's a ton of money that's spent in it. So right. I, I can't find the incentive anywhere, the true incentive. And like for Bill Gates, like, well, he wants to become the richest person in, in the world. It's like, but he's already <laughs> yeah. been there and he <laughs> might be in that position right now. Still, I don't know. No, but he within doesn't the care. Last he's, 20 in a, years, he's in a pact to give away like 95% of his wealth by the time he dies. But you he could just give say a it's a ploy all day long. Well, that's the thing. That's what's so funny about it all is that you could keep saying, well, well, no, he wants to uh, lower the population. It's like he's got 20 years to live, maybe. Like in 20 years, he just wants to see like population die offs. Like, what? I mean, I could, I can understand it from this point of view is that um, he thinks it would be better for um, people in the long run. And I can't disagree with that. Well, no, population control, like, no, just, just the ability to control your family and your structure and not needing to have a bunch of kids because in some of these uh, developing countries, Uh, we don't, you have a very high child mortality rate. So, uh, having a bunch of kids is security, like knowing like, Hey, you know, know I'll have some that actually make it into adulthood. So it makes, it makes sense to have a bunch. But yeah. before, um, like the 1900s, the 20th century, I, I we need to do away with that whole thing. I hate that. It's so confusing. Before the year 1900 or somewhere, let's just even go back 200 years, uh, child mortality mm-hmm. rates were like, 25%, maybe even higher than that, my numbers could be off, meaning like one out of every uh, four children that you had would die. I'm talking just like a hundred years ago, okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. In the last hundred years, let's say maybe 125 years, so I'm not like horribly wrong, um, in the last 100, 125 years, we've brought that down to like worldwide under 5%. I don't know what it is. Again, I'm being conservative with my numbers, so I'm not horribly wrong. I want to say it's like 3%, but I don't want someone to be like, 
Like you idiot, it's four and a half percent. Like I'm just saying somewhere generally around there. That's amazing. Yeah. But it also accounts for like why we have such a huge amount of um, population growth in such a short period of time. Well, um, population growth, but it's also tapered off in countries oh, that yeah. have uh, developed and everything. Yeah. So the same thing will happen with other economies as they catch up, the catch up effect uh, You'd like to in think developing so. countries. Well, well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a kumbaya thing. I mean, it could or it. it I it mean, yeah, we'd happen, like to expect it to to follow the same pattern. It's like as it be, you become an industrialized uh, Western like culture, or where you just have really what I want to say is where you're rich, where you have you know commodities and you have enough. Um, yeah, or maybe it has to do with education. See, that's the hard thing. Like, does this go with like having? enough money to not stress about oh, things or does it become education or does it like oh yeah it well, correlates all with it. all of them yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah i mean yeah and these other countries and everything uh these developing uh, nations and everything uh i mean healthcare and education they're not a human right there they just don't exist right. because it does take money it does take stability i mean you have to have the ability to i mean that's why we have problems uh in schools in the united states uh in some places um because you can't like send your kid to school without them being accosted by gang members or having these various issues but it's even worse in some of these other countries where people are literally starving so it's just you constantly have to look over your shoulder so you you it and makes then you sense. Don't and have, it yeah, makes, you don't have the resources to without to, without the education. You then like probably don't have a great ability for long term planning. Meaning that when you start to look at, um, you know, what is going to be the cost of having a child and this and that, like you're not really thinking about that. Where I think a lot of people here think about that a lot. I don't know if that's different in other countries, but yeah. I just think. We, we think about that here so much, like, how much is it going to cost to have a kid? Am I going to be able to do this? Like, that cost analysis. So I don't know where that comes from. I think from. it's just survival. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, it's just a matter of just pure survival. Hmm. I mean, and that's the hope with these vaccination programs, like uh, with Bill Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation going into these areas is... They provide vaccinations to populations that uh, would others otherwise see a great proportion of their children just die off from right. the diseases that are naturally present. But just uh, but the people there just haven't had access to uh, vaccinations. So to hop and back, you know, it's not that. their fault. It's just. The reason you know? the reason you kind of brought that up is because people were talking about like Bill Gates and population control, letting everybody die off. And I said, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I could see where they're come where they're coming from with that. Meaning the people who are opposed to Bill Gates. Um, I I don't know if that's what I wanted to say. Really, what well, I meant it, to it, say is is with the whole Bill Gates thing is. If he were doing that, I wouldn't disagree with the idea, although I wouldn't want it to actually be put in place. Like, let's kill people off. Like, we do need what you were just saying is like some type of for sustainability purposes. You know, people talk about with this whole um, pandemic, like pollution going away and things regrowing quicker and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, yeah, that that makes life a lot easier when we don't have to worry about our environment being stressful. Like. God, that that probably for me, and maybe unreasonably so, but it just seems to be like one of the things I worry about when I'm like, 
I'd like to have kids eventually one day, I think, but I've got my nieces and nephew and I'm like, dude, when they're going to be like 40 or 50, like how hot is it going to be here? Is there going to be food or is that going to be a little bit scarce? Like I, I yeah. just don't know. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, but that's kind of a scary thing to think about. And I'd like for that not to happen to them. So, um, Anyways, to go back uh, to then the, the whole vaccine thing, um, I, I saw uh, Nextdoor, which is like a, a neighborhood app to, to connect with your neighbors. Um, everyone's getting ready to go out and rally today. Today is May 1st. And, uh, you know, they're having... Um, <laughs> go out and rally. Yeah, they're, they're having protests uh, about like the stay at home order and being forced to stay at home. Um, Wait, and so and where, like these rallies in Gardena? Uh, they're doing it in Gardena. People were talking about carpooling up to Sacramento, um, to the state capitol to, to rally and protest and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, someone's like, I don't, I don't get it. Why can't we just, you know, sign a, a petition or a waiver or this or uh, that? And it's like, if you were to be able to sign something like that, the only way that me as somebody who's not going out and, and trying to slow this thing down would respect that is if that waiver also said I waive my rights to be treated by a medical facility in favor of other individuals first. Because like one of the big problems with this is like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. But it's like, okay, so put your money where your mouth is. If something happens to you and other people need to be treated, you're not going to get treated then. You don't get hospital access. Like you're, you know, like what if all of a sudden these people go out and do that and they all get sick? Now other people are going to not get medical access because of them. So put your money where your mouth is and sign the waiver and and then you don't get treated. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I mean, because then it'd still be a matter of freedom. It it's like, oh, so I don't have work. the same... Yeah, I don't have the same access to the same level of health health care just because I, you know, use my freedom to go well, out with pub, in public. And it would be like because of that, though, it's like they're the ones. No, saying, I get it. This isn't the big deal. You're not going yeah. to get sick. We need to be able to go back. Some of them I get it. It's like we want to be able to go back to work. But look, here's the thing that that some of these people aren't getting like I need to go be able to work. I need to be able to go back, reopen my retail job so I can, you know, go back and start selling jackets again and, and this and that. Okay, go back and open it up. How many people are going to be there buying that stuff? Is your business going to be yeah. able to afford to be open? Just because you're going back doesn't mean I'm going and buying stuff from you. And so I don't, I don't think that they realize that, you know, they're a small majority of the population right now. And if they do go back that i don't know how that's actually going to work out for them maybe i'm wrong i, I mean tons of people are dying well, to get out of the house yeah uh, no you're not wrong and it's really hard to say at this point in terms of like you know did we overreact to something that was a nothing or did we do what we were supposed to do and they were originally projecting that there was supposed to be 100 to 240,000 deaths minimum that were going to occur. And now people are like saying like, Oh, see, nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, but you and I both grew up least... in a place where, um, there's lots of fires. Uh, and remember when we were kids, I mean, they probably still do it, but you had to clear brush up to 10 or 15 feet around your house. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, it, it's, people are like, well, there was no fire last year. Why do I have to do it this year? And part of it's like, 
there was maybe no fire because all the brush was cleared from your house. So if something was sparking, all the brush didn't catch on fire and then catch your house on fire. So it's, it's, this is one of those situations that's really hard to see. It's like, like, Oh, like see nothing even happened. And it's like, well, that was the point is to make nothing happen. Like to make (laughs) this a small thing. Yeah. But, but it's always, uh, I mean, it's always hard to to know, though. I mean, we could have done a really Absolutely. good thing by keeping everyone indoors. And yeah, there's just really no way to know. But you can uh, see it in Google's numbers. I looked at them again and uh, people's travel is down, you know, around 50 percent from the baseline. Uh, the only thing that is really up in uh, some areas is residential uh, travel and uh, it's up in parks, but it's the uh, park frequency though is only up in areas that are kind of uh, more sparsely populated. But yeah. in LA, they've dropped down a ton. Uh, Orange County, they've dropped down a ton. Uh, those areas that are you know really densely populated, they've done a lot on in terms of an individual basis of staying home, and the numbers are reflecting that. So. Um, all of the projections where everyone said this thing could get really, really bad and it's going to get bad, those, uh, that could have been true and it could still be true. It sounds like we're going to be with this for a really long time and maybe we do need to come up with different approaches to be able to open the economy but do so in an intelligent manner. Meaning, you know, if everyone needs to wear an N95 mask, then maybe they should be wearing those type of masks. Uh, Maybe the stores, uh, depending on their size, should reassess how many people can be there at any one point and the way in which those stores flow in terms of traffic. And it may be a pain in the butt, but it's like we need to, to strike a harmonious balance between not crippling the economy, but also not allowing something to get out of hand because yeah, everyone's basically doing the thing where it's like it snowed in the desert yesterday. So there's no such thing as climate change. Like, you know, like, (laughs) like, like it, 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 they pick like the one day where there's this, like this anomaly where, you know, they just get a bunch of snow or something. Isn't that Uh, an interesting thing human beings do is they, they pick like, well, because it's all political. Well, but yeah, it's just finding something to like support your view. But I have people do this all the time, and it's like, well, look at the one example of the thing that that goes against what you're saying right now. You say, you know, it's always hot in the desert, but it snowed once, and it's like, yeah, cool, good job. It's still almost always hot in the desert, like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And so yeah. I would say something like to the equivalence of. Um, here's something I, I talk about in my training a lot. It's like, if you take a hundred people and you raise them to be Buddhist, how many of them are going to be Buddhist? And the answer should be probably somewhere around like, so, so you adopt all these children, a hundred of them. And you're like, you're all going to be Buddhist. And, uh, you'd say, I don't know, like 80 or 90 of them. And probably, I don't know. I can't say for certain, but everyone likes to go, well, look at that one. He didn't come out Buddhist. He, so, so, you know you could just choose. And it's like, you're not looking at the statistics. Generally, this is how people will become if they're raised a certain way. Most of the time, like, yes, there are outliers, but that doesn't mean everyone can be the outlier. That doesn't mean it can snow every day in the desert because then it's not a desert anymore. Um, anyways, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just liked your analogy and it triggered that idea. Yeah. And, and I think, uh, I mean, 
that's why you're you're uh, i just think we're seeing a, a way too much in terms of um how much the media is covering uh some of these events where people are protesting because it's not reflective of what the data is saying. The data is yeah. saying that the United States as a whole, even in, in areas that are uh, very conservative, uh, you're really seeing a reduction in terms of mobility, yeah. um, except for increases in residential mobility, which I have seen just anecdotally, just driving around. I see people walking their dogs, walking around with their kids much more frequently than they did before, but they're still maintaining social distance. And I think, you know, uh, a lot of people are, are either unilateral where they're just like, I am so worried about the economy. We need to open this right now. Like, you know, freedom, freedom, freedom. And then there's other people that are like, no, I understand the, and that's where I was going with the, the snowing analogy. A lot of people are putting up videos of hospitals being completely empty and uh, doctors and nurses doing, uh, forming a conga line in the middle of the halls. And it's like, that's what we want. Like that is the hope that this thing wasn't going to blow out of proportion. And so these hospitals won't be overwhelmed, but in some areas, the hospitals are overwhelmed, like in New York, yeah. but it's really hard to to know how bad it really would have gotten unless you just let it happen. Right. But, but I mean, how can anyone consciously allow it just to happen if there's a potential where, you know, you could have 300,000 people die? And everyone keeps comparing it now. I've, I've seen a bunch of different things about it's killed more people than the Vietnam War and, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know why we need to keep comparing it to all this kind of stuff. Like, the the issue is just new uh, viruses and uh, potential pandemics that can occur and that we need to be ready for it now. Like that seems to be kind of the message now. Right. But I, but we don't seem to really be focusing on that. And everything is just very black and white, like I said, that, in terms of approach. Like That would be, though, like, like keeping um – an up-to-date fire extinguisher in your house, right? Fire extinguishers have expiration dates. And it's like, you get one, and then it's like, yeah, it's like 10 years old, but I still have it. It can't be that bad, can it? And I don't know what an old yeah. fire extinguisher is is like, um, whether it works or, or doesn't work, but it's like, it's so rare that it's not something you really feel like you need to invest 55 bucks into. Um, so... I do understand uh, that. And you know what? Um, here's here's something I was thinking uh, when you were talking about that is, I mean, there is a good point to this. Like, we do need to make a plan to reopen the economy and get things going again because we cannot, we absolutely cannot sustain this. Um, yeah. And uh, I wonder if, like, there is a plan to create more types of jobs um, for maybe roads and infrastructure or things like that. Um, but, um, <clears throat> I, here's my biggest wonder with it is what is going to happen to the people who are screaming to reopen, um, the, the roads and, and the public and things like that. Right. So you have people going out and protesting today. And they're not tomorrow yeah. going to be like, all right, you guys were right. You made enough noise. 
go to the beaches, go back to work and enjoy. Screw it. It's This is over. <laughs> you made your point. Um, that's not going to happen. Here's what's going to happen is they're not going to do anything about it. And this is only supposed to last two more weeks anyways, officially in, in California. And uh, so maybe they extend it. Maybe they don't extend it. Who knows? But I think the people who are screaming today are going to keep screaming Okay. And we are going to eventually have to reopen. And then those people who are screaming are going to be like, huh, look, we made it happen. We got our way. We went and we protested and, and we um, kicked and we screamed and it worked. They're going to think that what they did worked when in actuality, it's just what we were going to do anyways. Right. Um, so, um, what do you, I, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Do you, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure, I mean, how it's all going to end up playing out. And I mean, can you be a little bit more specific in terms of... Well, okay. So so what I was saying is, look, <clears throat> I'm going to create an analogy here. You have a kid who is screaming and crying for you to change the channel or who wants to watch Mickey Mouse or something like that, right? Um, or just shut off the TV show you're watching because they hate yeah. it and it's bugging them. Um, it's the beginning of the show. The show's an hour long. Guess what? Eventually the show is going to end. And if that kid keeps crying and crying and crying and all of a sudden 59 minutes have gone by and the kid keeps screaming and crying, turn it off, turn it off, I hate it. And then the show ends, they go, Ah, it worked. I got my way. Oh, I see. It ended. And so what I'm saying is you have a section of society right now, a small section, uh, albeit, but still a section, saying reopen, reopen, reopen. And they're they're out there screaming loudly. Um, they're not going to stop today if it doesn't do anything. They're going to keep doing this. And eventually we're going to have to slowly change things and reopen. These people are going to feel like they got their way. Um do you think that it is going to strengthen the movement, the ideas, the agenda? That That's what I'm curious about. Like, what happens with that? No. Because this is probably the same group of people you were just talking about earlier. The yeah. No, people who uh, aren't for vaccinations and they don't think the COVID virus is real. They don't think. And look, I'm not saying I'm 100% sure all these things are. I'm just going with the flow, you know? Yeah, I mean, they could uh, absolutely take credit for uh, the government deciding to reopen and everything, but does it matter? That That's the problem, is the emphasis that we put on the individuals. Like, if everyone else doesn't believe they had any impact and it was just a natural but they're byproduct going to. of... That, that's how this movement well, got they bigger can to believe begin- it. But they can believe it all they want. The problem is, is that the news trucks show up and then they they see like you know what maybe a hundred people outside of these state uh, capital houses and everything a hundred people, especially in a state as populous as California, and like do you think that normal like just your everyday average individual is going to think like oh so and so 
got this done because they've been protesting for the last month and a half at the I state capitol open no but it's that slow growth you know that you were talking about earlier at the beginning of the the episode you say yeah. like an individual's different idea has to be big enough to make an impact and and right now we say well it's not but it's like but yeah that's how these types of things are growing to a point where they can make an impact um, and so I don't know, that's, that's kind of where we started this episode was just about uh, differences in opinions. Um, and can we have too many differing opinions? And look, uh, the thought right to get with rubs me the wrong way because it's like, what do we do about that? Not allow people to think a certain way. Um, uh, the idea for me then, like, look, if, if we can't have too many differences in opinions, then why did we just spend the last half hour saying some ideas are ridiculous and sort of wanting to change them. Wouldn't, shouldn't we then yeah. look at that and say, well, no, their ideas are great. It's going to lead to bigger and better things. I really appreciate that they're out there thinking these things that are contrary to, you know, what mainstream science says and what mainstream media says. And again, not saying you should always go along with those things, but like, why didn't we spend the last hour praising them um, for the differences in opinions? Um, I got you there, Paul. Well, I, well, I, well, no, I think it's because it's completely uh, their ideas are so contra contrary to what is actually in front of us. Like, there's no there, there, or smoking gun when it comes to linking any of these. You keep saying there, there. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Uh, any, like tangible causal link for any of this stuff where you could say point like you blank said, I guess, like smoking gun yeah like bill gates wants to do this or that and this is terrible because yeah like there's nothing substantive about it and it's just like this the reason why i can't get excited about like the flat earth movement and everything uh it runs so counter but all of these uh, I, I will say this. It was the same reason why when we went to the Bernie Sanders rally four years ago that we walked away very disappointed because <laughs> there was well, yeah, cause it, there's it's no just solid preaching. plan. No plan. And it, it was just preaching to the choir. It's like, well, I think uh, all women should get paid the same. And everyone starts clapping. And it, it's like, I, you know, I don't it, think yeah. racism should exist anymore. And everyone is clapping. And it's like, well, of course. Yeah, of course. Like, absolutely. But how are we going to do all this stuff? Yeah. And, I don't think we you know, should I give like, people vaccines. Like, yeah, sure, we shouldn't. But the reality is we yeah, have diseases it, that we have to deal with and control for. Yeah. It, and we tend to get upset with people that have uh, differing opinions and differing ideas, especially on uh, uh, opinions and ideas about issues having to pertain or pertaining to people's kids. And uh, like when it has to, when it comes to vaccinations and everything. Um, but I think it's, it's good to value other people having a different opinion, but not necessarily valuing the opinion itself. Like saying, you know, this person has a, a, a differing perspective. I think they're wrong. Like I'm able to prove in a lot of instances that they are wrong. You know what I could say? Um, and just not getting to the point of being angry about it. Because yeah. I think if you end up getting angry, then you're probably missing something in terms of your ability to counter it. Like I find myself laughing about a lot of this stuff uh, sometimes and not laughing because the, you know, the potential outcome is going to be death, you know, by people getting more COVID. It's just laughing because some of it is so freaking ridiculous. 
Yeah. I mean, you see some of these tweets, and there is just no substance behind it. It's all innuendo. Uh, and I find a lot of it just entertaining. But I think maybe the problem is you and I because – well, and just everyone in general because we – we choose to take this stuff seriously and yet these groups like this group that wants to open everything up there's a lot of people that want to open it up but don't want to open it up in the way that these people are are necessarily advocating so our problem as a society uh, and it seems like it's always been this way is we focus on these little groups that are nothing but they make the most noise like back in the day it's communism and and sure there was extremists within these groups but they're they're it's an idea who cares i would say the same thing though for you really quick about the anti-vax movement is that you're getting an extreme end of it who are like the you know bill gates trying to kill everybody type of thing i yeah i i think there are a lot of um, more quiet uh, people who are uncertain and kind of against vaccines um, that just go along with it. And again, I'm not a proponent of this, but I feel like I got to defend it at least a little bit as a, a skeptic. Um, just to say, look, that we don't know for certain because these things are are hard. Um, what I think we can walk away with this with is I I just realized something is that. <clears throat> While I might not agree with some of these ideas, the benefit that I've gotten from different ideas of things like this is that I think it's actually made me a better scientist and more selective of the types of uh, research that I value. In other words, I probably very loosely used to quote science and psychology and sociology articles and like, oh, yeah, there's this idea, blah, 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 without a lot of good evidence to back it up, meaning like maybe there was one or two articles. Um, And now I tend not to talk about those things so much. I tend to talk about the things that are more well-established. And so I think I, because of having been presented with different ideas, um, can better articulate some of my ideas or my positions because I've had someone to challenge me a little bit on them even if that person i think is you know totally wrong i feel like i've um gotten to a a better place in that science may be coming to a better place in general because of that in other words um you know we we've become somewhat better skeptics um because we go well your article doesn't have this and they go neither do yours and i'm like okay well that one doesn't but these other 10 do and it's like well then why'd you bring that one up and it's like shit i guess i shouldn't bring that one <laughs> that one crappy one up i guess i should be a little bit more um selective with uh with some of the things that i bring up so that that's the one positive that i can uh, walk away with, or the one benefit of differences and ideas is that um, um, even if like it doesn't sway or come come with something new, maybe it makes uh, your idea that much stronger in the end. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it does make uh, your position stronger if you're able to listen to someone else just talk about uh, their idea and the, the way in which they think the, the world should work or be working. Um, I think that only sharpens your perspective because yeah. I mean, you have to find uh, unique counters to that if you want to maintain your you current do. view. And I'm always, you know, open to other people, uh, you know, that have wild ideas, things that kind of make me cringe, but I do hold out uh, a level of uh, skeptic skepticism, healthy skepticism in terms of, 
even though their idea is completely counter to what I'm currently thinking, like it, it, it's okay to, to allow that feeling to pass and then to really analyze what they're saying and what they mean behind it instead of trying to apply my own meaning to it where that starts to distort the context of the way in which they're trying to deliver their idea, if that makes any sense. Like to truly get to a point where you're listening to someone, you know, um, and you're not hearing it through your own personal filter, the way that other people are, I guess, are saying that you should, I guess, filter it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot to think about now after this episode. Um, Because now, I don't know, I'm just sitting and thinking, it's like, well, we got to call it, we're at our hour here. But um, now I'm thinking, it's like, okay, but if I, if I've learned to better my point of view, because of it, and I also want to say that, like, it's the like different systems idea, the things that are two polar opposites. That's what gives me a stronger idea. When when someone has a different idea and it's just unique or just somewhat different or whatever, then that's where new ideas come about. But I'm, we're really talking about these fringe ideas. Um, and, and so um, if they're just helping me strengthen my own position or argument, aren't I really just helping them strengthen their own position and argument as well? I don't know. Yeah, it's an exchange. I I don't know. Yeah. But then that just means we're further apart than where we started. And that's not where I want to be. I want to help those other people come more to the middle and and be more open-minded. So I don't know, Paul, look, that's all we've got time for today. (laughs) I don't know if we solved anything and I don't know if we ever will. Do you have any last words? No, we could always uh, try and solve it again next time. (laughs) And that we will. All right, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Until uh, next episode, have a good one. (laughs) 